David, I'm worried they're going to find out I'm not as good as they think I am. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. So who do you think said those words? David, I'm worried they're going to find out I'm not as good as they think I am. I'll give you some choices. Was it the youngest ever elected president of a state medical association? Was it the director of a nonprofit organization that serves tens of thousands of people around the world? Was it a physician who speaks internationally and is renowned in her field? Was it a small business owner whose team regularly coaches international CEOs and celebrities? Or was it a Fortune 500 executive vice president? Of course, you've probably guessed by now the correct answer is all of the above. I have heard those words from all five of the people I described, and I felt them myself. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like a fake? As if your success rested on a knife's edge, one false move, one tiny mistake, and everyone would know you were nothing but a well-spoken fraud. If you've ever felt that way, I want you to know you're not alone. In fact, you've got very good company. Just from our little quiz, you can see that you now know seven people, all very accomplished, who have felt the same way. That's five in the quiz, plus you and me. Although it's rarely discussed, this feeling so common, it's got a name. It's called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome describes a feeling of strong self-doubt that you're a fake, that your success is due to luck or your ability to fool people more than it's due to your work. It often comes along with that fear of being found out, and it can cause a lot of anxiety and stress. It's a dirty little leadership secret that causes all kinds of stress and can result in leaders who burn out, trying to satisfy their own inadequacy. And if you let it, imposter syndrome can tie you in knots, ruin your confidence, and ultimately undermine your ability to lead your team and achieve your goals. And it'll screw up your life in all kinds of other ways, too. I know because I've been there. I have felt as if I didn't belong in the room, didn't think that other people would take me seriously, or that I wasn't as smart or rich or experienced or whatever it was I needed to be compared to the group I was working with. The brutal truth is you can't be the leader you need to be when you're tied up in knots like that. You'll either try to overcompensate or you'll go the other direction. You'll stay silent when you should speak. And either one kills your credibility and ends your influence. So how do we put an end to imposter syndrome? Well, there are several tools that you can use to overcome these self-sabotaging tendencies that many leaders have. So here are a few of them you can use to put an end to imposter syndrome. First suggestion is honor your past and your present. So for myself, during my childhood, we struggled financially. I remember one pair of pants I wore where the patches had patches, and even those patches had patches. And it was embarrassing to wear those pants. Later in life, of course, long after it overcome those financial hurdles and I was doing well professionally, there were still times I felt like I had conned my way into the room. And when my colleagues realized it, they'd show me the door. A mentor of mine told me, David, it's a good thing to remember where you're from, but it's a foolish thing to think you're still there. His point was that the experiences that you have in childhood, they can serve you. It can help you make good decisions, give you an appreciation for people from every walk of life, and 
that keep you from being judgmental, it would be foolish to leave all that treasure in the past. But it would be equally foolish not to acknowledge today's circumstances. It's actually intellectually dishonest and it dishonors the people who put their trust in you today. Next piece of advice is something I heard from the 1999 world champion of public speaking and motivational speaker, Craig Valentine. Craig is a, a great guy, but he says this, you're always to something for someone. I love that phrase. It's a fun way to overcome the doubt that creeps in when you compare yourself with other people. You might worry that you're too old, too young, too thin, too fat, too poor, too rich. You know, believe it or not, people can worry about some of those things and they'll see, that, see them as limitations. You're always to something for someone gets at the silliness of it all. Once you start looking for inadequacy, you'll always find a reason that you don't belong. Have you ever experienced a critical chattering voice that pipes up with all sorts of harsh negativity when you're trying to do something? Who do you think you are? You're crazy if you think you can do that. Why would anyone listen to you? If you've ever heard that voice, you're not crazy. Many people have these thoughts or experience them as a voice of a particularly critical person from their past. And one fun way to deal with these voices is you can actually visualize them. This tool comes from a guy named Rick Carson, and he wrote a book called Taming Your Gremlin. And the way that he suggests you do this is to give your internal critic a name and picture it as a little gnome or a troll or a gremlin, like your own version of Creature, that negative house elf from the Harry Potter series. So once you've got your own creature in mind, have some fun with it. Let it talk. You might even answer it in your imagination. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's hear it. And what else you got? Is that all? Keep it coming. And once your negative gnome is all played out, you can order it to go sit in the corner and be quiet until you're done. And it will. Yeah, I know that sounds completely silly. It's a visualization exercise and it may work for, for you. It may not. But it's a fun way to play with those negative voices. And when you're playing, they're not trapping you. Another technique I like to use is something I call catcher's mitt curiosity. Sometimes your doubts might have something important to tell you. Maybe there is a new skill you need to learn or a true mistake that you can avoid making. But how do you tell the difference between legitimate doubt and useless insecurity? One way to do this is to picture yourself wearing a baseball catcher's mitt, catcher's glove, and picture that doubt as an apple that someone tosses to you. Catch it in the mitt and imagine looking at that apple. You're not just going to eat it right away. You're going to examine it. Ask yourself if there's something of value for you here. Create some space for curiosity and see what happens. The idea here is just because the apple comes to you, you don't have to eat it right away. You don't have to swallow it. You don't have to internalize it. What is that doubt? Is there something here? Has it got something to teach you? Is it trying to warn you of something that's actually possible. Is there an extra step you need to take, a new skill, something practical to do? Another effective tool to deal with imposter syndrome is just to focus on the people you serve. They don't really care where you came from, how you got here, whether or not you have a big house, a small car, a good hair, bad hair, anything else. What they do care about is how can you help them succeed today? It's almost impossible to trip over your own insecurities when you focus on serving other people. 
This is the reason that volunteering is such a powerful experience and why you hear volunteers always say that they received so much more than they gave. I've got proof this works. When I'm writing an article or writing my next book or speaking to you here, I'm focused on you. I'm not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm thinking about how can these words help you right now? Not me, not my doubts, not my lack of a PhD in psychology, you. And clearly it works since you're listening to this right now. So there you have it, a couple of different tools that you can use when you feel self-doubt, insecurity, or that imposter syndrome threatening to undercut you. Hey, this is Nora, and I have a question. Hi, David. My name is Jamie, and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about... Hey, David. This is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi, David. This is Susan from New Jersey, and my question is... Hi, David. This is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. Let's answer a question. If you've been listening for a while, you know I love to answer your leadership or management related questions. You can send in a question on any episode that we've done or any leadership question or challenge that, that you have in your day-to-day -day work. To send in your question, you can do it one of two ways. You can go to david.die at letsgrowleaders.com. You can email the question there, I should say. Or you can go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. You'll see a big orange button. Click that button. You can record your question, let us know where you're from, your question, and we'll use that in a future episode. Today's question comes from Gail. Gail writes, David, the episode on how to motivate your team when you don't set the goal was interesting. I wonder though, do you feel that that is being manipulative? I enjoy the show. Thank you. Gail, I appreciate the integrity, the honesty behind your question. And that is a concern. Every leader, hopefully, as you're thinking about how you motivate your team and, and cultivate that motivation like we talked about in that episode, should be concerned about using the tools of influence and motivation and whether or not they're using them in a healthy way or an unhealthy and manipulative way. Here's the bottom line. Your team are adults. They know that they're going to have to do things that maybe they didn't agree with or that they don't care for. That comes with the territory. Every job has those kinds of assignments. The way I look at it is if you try to manipulate them into doing something they don't want to do without acknowledging that core emotion, then you're being manipulative. But if you look at things authentically and say, hey, listen, as we discussed in the episode, I know that this isn't what we would have chosen, and I know that it can be frustrating and you might even be feeling sad or upset or irritated. And that's normal, and I get that. And the question in front of us is how we can do this in, in a way that we're going to be proud of, that is our best, and we can own our own experience here. I don't think there's anything manipulative about that. I think that's actually very authentic, it's very honest, and it's very real because you're acknowledging the situation for what it is and you're calling people to do their personal best. And you're grounding the team in their own identity and no one can take that away. So I actually think that in this situation, it's the opposite of manipulative. It's one of the most authentic ways you can possibly lead in that scenario. Gail, thanks again for the question and I would love to answer your question. So send those in 
We'll get those on a future episode. Please know that you're not alone and the world needs you. The self-doubt that you feel that you experience, in my experience, it is part of the package of being an effective leader. In fact, the leaders that I most worry about are the ones who don't experience that self-doubt, who don't look at themselves with a critical eye and make sure that their intentions and capabilities are good and that they're truly serving their people. When you do those things, you are on the road to being the leader you want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.